Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this Thanksgiving edition of Cole Sports, we're going to give you a little bit, a little bit of championship Saturday for NCAA football fans out there. Give you Thanksgiving football styling in the NFL. Couple little bit of NBA, couple little bit of hockey, a little bit of baseball as well. Of course, go in on the subject. Put something upon further review and Dolt of the Week. Cannot forget that. But for right now, let's get to the headlines. Dateline College Football. All right, here's all you need to know. In Rivalry Weekend, you have Alabama crushing Auburn. Out the way. Clemson doing their thing and crushing South Carolina. That's number two out the way. Number three, Notre Dame taking care of USC in Southern California. And then there is this game. Number four ranked Michigan went to the horseshoe all they needed to do was put a spanking on an inferior team in Ohio State. But the number one ranked defense in college football gave up 55 points in the 62-39 romping in Columbus. D-line Pittsburgh. Sometimes when you think that there's no heart in sports, there's this story that comes into your purview. So there was a fan who held up a sign in a Pittsburgh Penguins game saying that they needed a kidney transplant. And so they took a photo of it and they sent it to the Penguins front office. They summarily put it on social media and on their page, the Penguins Twitter page, the tweet says follows. The tweet says as follows. Quote, Penguins fan. Seeking hero. Close quote. Well, the sign, of course, drew plenty of attention. But it caught the eye of a Penguins fan in Delaware. Say hello to Jeff Lind. He was the one who who volunteered to give that kidney to the person who needed it. And the greatest news of all, he ended up being a match. Dateline Los Angeles. Former Oriole and now free agent-to-be Manny Machado seems to have gotten in hot water because of his mouth overloading his behind. Now, he made this offhanded comment saying that he isn't a Johnny Hustle type, meaning that he doesn't do fake hustle, but it wasn't taken, but it wasn't taken that way. It was actually taken as a slight and as an insult to those who do hustle when, in fact, there's video evidence that at times he either doesn't or he goes overboard when he hustles. Machado tried to walk back those comments by saying the following. Quote, when I was asked the question, I was definitely on the defensive and I was wrong to answer it the way that I did, because looking back, it doesn't come across how I meant it. For me, I was trying to talk about how I'm not the guy who is eyewash. There's a difference between fake hustle for show and being someone who tries hard to win. 
I've always been the guy who does whatever he can do to win for his team. Close quote. Son, this is a saying that my father used to say to me. And I hope that you can take this with you because you're only 26. There's a time to open that pie hole of yours. And then there's the rest of the time when you should keep your trap shut. Dateline NFL. In this past Thanksgiving, we know three things to be sure. Firstly, the Bears are for real. Now, how for real are they? They'll get a chance to find out December 9th when they host the Rams on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Number two, we may have a team that wants to take the NFC East. In a slugfest and a bore fest in some ways, the Cowboys look like they're about to take that division over with their 32-23 win over the Washington NFL franchise on Thanksgiving. And then there's number three. The best team in the NFL right now is the New Orleans Saints. And if any of you want to debate that, please give me the chance to hear you out as you're hearing me out. You have a team that is basically on offense like the Tupac song. How do you want it? As we go into the end of the year, those three teams in the NFC seem to have state claims on their respective divisions. The NFC North, NFC East, and NFC South. What will we see in the month of December, that is what's going to make the NFL season in totality much more interesting than normal. Dateline Oakland. Seemingly with all the drama that has gone on and the 0 for 3 Texas spin that the Warriors have endured and the losing streak that has continued after their Texas t- uh, trip comes the news of a fender bender involving Stephon Curry, who has been injured for the last few weeks. So he was driving on the freeway in his Porsche. He avoided an accident, but others seemed to not avoid him. So he did get in a ding-up, wasn't hurt, wasn't at fault. But it seems to almost be like a black cat type of situation for the Warriors this season. It almost seems as though there isn't a right move this team can make, no matter if it's on the court or off of it. Dateline Green Bay. Now, I spoke about generosity earlier in this segment. How about this for generosity? Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers donates $1 million. Yes, you heard me correctly. $1 million to the campfires that are going on in Northern California. Now, if you understand this a little bit deeper, you will know that this hits Rodgers in the heart for real because the area that was burning, He grew up around that area. Now, we think of him as this Wisconsin guy since he started for the Packers in 2009 and has been going on for 10 years, but he is a Northern California guy. Now, this is what he had to say about that, his donation and what it means to him personally. Quote, In Northern California, where I was born and raised, the city of paradise burned to the ground and many of the residents who got out are now outplaced in my hometown of Chico and across the North state. Close quote. Now, and of course, Rogers is not without his controversy. His brother tweeted some drama to which Rogers has not responded to it. And the family drama for the Rogers clan has been going on for years. Rogers has basically taken the stance of, look, this is his thing. My thing is here. 
Good luck to whatever they're doing. Good luck to whatever my other family members are doing. I'm doing me. That's pretty much has been his stance. That still is his stance. But kudos to you, Aaron. You do have a heart of gold. And man, I hope, hope your family, who still are there probably, has not been displaced themselves too. Dateline Cleveland. Who says that you can never go back home again? Whoever said that didn't see how the Quicken Loans Arena faithful embraced LeBron as he came back for the first time as a Los Angeles Laker. 90 minutes before game tipped off, he received a standing ovation. When he was announced during the player introductions at the beginning of the game, he received a hearty standing ovation, which was, I think, 30 seconds in length. And then after the first time out when the game actually started, a tribute Video tribute was played, having the organization and the city of Cleveland thanking LeBron for all of his time with the Cavaliers and all he's done in the city of Cleveland and in the area of Northeast Ohio. It hit LeBron hard in a good way. I mean, and he had this to say about the outpouring of love that he received from his home area. Quote. For 11 years, I tried to give everything I could be a role model off the floor, be a leader on the floor. It means a lot to myself, my family, and friends here tonight. Close quote. And what a difference a way to exit makes. Dateline Houston. One of the things that you don't want to report is sad news. Well, this is one of them. I was talking on the phone with my father Friday after Thanksgiving, and he actually relayed the news to me that Texans owner Bob McNair died. And the reason why he my father talked to me about this is because, well, my father and he are the same age. So McNair was from South Carolina. He attended South Carolina and graduated from there. He's an alum alum from there. He saw a need in Houston when the Oilers moved to Nashville, created the Houston NFL Holdings in 1998, procured the franchise that we now know as the Texans in 1999 and built a new stadium and started the love affair between Houston and the Texans in 2002. Now, He's human, or he was human, and he was not without his foibles. One of the things that he did say was last year, actually, when he said, quote, we can't let the inmates run the prison. Close quote. In the national anthem slash systemic oppression protest, brouhaha. But even that does not stain the goodness that this guy actually represented. Luminaries such as Andre Johnson, the former wide receiver of the Texans, the current defensive tackle of the Texans, J.J. Watt, and Dallas Cowboys owner, Gerald Jones, all had nothing but complimentary things to say about this gentleman. Same here. You will always be, sir, the man that brought football back to Houston. And for that, I have to personally thank you. Robert McNair, proud South Carolinian, proud Texan, Houston Texans owner. Dead at the age of 81. When I come back, we're going to go Dolt of the Week. And upon further review, but see, that's for later. For now, you know, I gots to go.
Where do we begin? Well, as you know, number 26 now used to be number 28 of the Vikings, but number 26 of the Washington NFL franchise, Adrian Peterson, is showing us that he's turning back the clock a little bit, all the way back, that he talked that he hasn't lost it, and it looks like he hasn't. Or in some minds, has he? Well, he's at the center of this conversation as I'm about to go. Palestine, Texas' own Adrian Peterson is in the nation's capital tearing it up on the ground. And this has been a feel-good story for a good while. I mean, we got a chance to really see this guy do big things even at the age of 33. And it is absolutely hilarious that we're dealing most of this year with a running back at the age of 26 who wants more money from his team, didn't get it, and he held out for all of this time to the point where he no longer now is officially a stealer. And yes, that person is Le'Veon Bell. Here we have someone who is past the twilight of running back careers, and he is doing big things still. He's also talking big things as well, because, well, for all of his prodigious talents, the fact he's gained over 10,000 yards, the fact that he has come close to gaining five yards a carry every time he toasts a rock, he also is now known for the guy who went a little ham on whipping his child. Many of you remember the welts that you saw on his then four-year-old son's leg. And I can tell you, my wife watched that that picture along with me. We both went at the same time because we thought, wow, that's a little excessive. And, of course, the NFL suspended him for excessive corporal punishment, basically. Came to find out that he used switches on his son and that he explained that this was what was done to him when he was young. And he was going to do the exact same thing to his children. But I guess losing some time playing in the sport that you love the most or doing the thing that you love the most tends to give you a different perspective on life. Hence, he actually said that he would no longer use switches on his children. But in a lengthy interview with Bleacher Report, Peterson actually said, even to this moment, quote, I had to discipline my son and spank him the other day with a belt. Close quote. Now, I know some of you are saying, rut row, here we go again. But I, I can't really go there with, with you on that. Here's why, you see, I'm not the biggest fan of physical punishment. Now, did I have it due to me when I was younger? Yes, I did. But it wasn't all the time. It wasn't excessive. And it was few and far between, really. So I, 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 it was there. The possibility of having that happen to me was there. The act was done to me, but it wasn't all the time. And it wasn't pervasive. It wasn't like I walked in the house and I just got beaten down every day. No, it was never that. 
In fact, I didn't walk in the house and got beat down most of the days I grew up in my parents' house. In fact, it was almost all the days. I didn't grow up in a house where that was abusive. At least physically it wasn't. But every now and then, if I did something that was completely out of pocket and I had a hard head and I kept doing it, I did get a spanking, but that was rare. And I really believe in this case, the same is true here. I think it's rare. I don't think it's one of those cases where Peterson just goes every day looking for a reason to whoop his children's behinds. It, it really is like pretty, pretty much for most parents. It's like, okay, well, I told you this, but you seem to not get it. So let me see if you can find, let's see if I can find another way to get it to you so you can understand. And I get it. I mean, Peterson grew up. I'm a tech. Well, I was a Texan. I, to say the South with Texas is mm, sort of disingenuous. It's not really the South per se, but it has a lot of Southern roots to it. And he grew up in Palestine. I grew up in Houston. The, the philosophy was similar. Like, okay, well, you do something wrong and you keep doing something wrong. Well, I'm going to beat it out of you if you keep doing it so you won't do it anymore. And Peterson's talking about belts <laughs> and, 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 and switches. Now, I never got a switch or a cord. I knew of some who did. No, it was either belt slippers or fists, but I came out fine and I don't have any issues toward my parents for when they resorted to that at times, beating me that way. Something tells me I don't think Peterson's children are that way either. Otherwise, we would have heard something by now. So, as I said earlier, the NFL suspended Peterson in 2014 for, I guess you could say, excessive corporal punishment with his son. And the topic came up again. And, of course, there are some who say you shouldn't lay a finger on your child. The older I get, the more I feel that way. But I think back to when I was younger and I think back to the conversations I have heard with some of my friends who are parents, some who don't do it, some who do it. And I understand the reasoning as to why they would or wouldn't. My stance is, has been, always will be. If it's not excessive or if it's not abusive or if it's not overboard, that's fine. It's not, you know, if it's. All right, millennial VIP, bear with me for a second here. There was a movie when I was younger called Mommy Dearest, and it talked about Joan Crawford, a Hollywood actress back in the 30s, I believe. And she adopted a a girl, and the outer appearance of the woman, she could not do any wrong. She looked beautiful. She had a great life. Everything seemed to be wonderful, but she had this dark, twisted, abusive inner self, and it would come out completely violently toward her adopted daughter to the point where one time, when I think uh, her daughter was a teenager, Joan walked into her daughter's closet. She saw hang, she saw wire hangers, and Joan had this penchant for not liking wire hangers, and so she went completely ballistic. That is what I'm talking about. That is overboard. I don't think Peterson is being like that. I don't think he is whipping his children because it's Sunday or because he felt like it. Or because he has a headache or because the children may be screaming too loud and the only way he can get to him right then and there is not to say tone it down, but just to go absolutely ham and whoop them right then and there. I don't think this is what we're talking about here. I think we're talking about a responsible parent who the only person who knows their children, at least in an innate fashion, would be his or her mother or father. And 
how many children have the opportunity to have their father be invested in their lives like Adrian is his children. We're hearing more and more stories by more and more women out here, more and more single mothers out here that would want to have someone like Adrian in their lives so they could help discipline their children and rear them to be responsible adults that a parent is supposed to be and their children are supposed to be. Stop lampooning this guy. Now, he already has said that he won't use switches anymore. So he's gotten the understanding that, okay, well, man, switches can go a little overboard. Okay, well, let me put down the switch. And then let me think and let me rethink about even when I do physical punishment, how far is going too far? I guarantee you in 2014, oh, all day, probably thought all day about all of that because he had all year (laughs) to pontificate upon how correctly or incorrectly should I punish my children? So before you want to egg his house or clown all day because he wants to whip his, his, his boys or get ridiculous with him because he actually is bold enough to say, I discipline my children physically. Put the pause on that and just look at the fruit that's being produced before you castigate this guy as an evil figure because There's nothing about Adrian that screams evil to me. Put the criticism down. Sometimes we just cry when there's smoke to be seen and we think something's blazing. There's nothing to see. He's being a responsible father. Celebrate that instead. back i'm gonna whip up (laughs) you saw what i did there the adult of the week you're tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet cold sport From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. November 25th, 1993. The Dallas annual spectacular Thanksgiving Day game was filled with a little snow and some ice as the visiting Miami Dolphins, one without Dan Marino, came visiting and knocking in Texas Stadium. The game was back and forth and more defensive than normal but the Cowboys were up 14-13 and they stopped the Dolphins from driving down to score at the end of the game when the field goal to put them up 16-14 was blocked. I don't think I have to tell you what happened after that. As he will try this field goal, which will be 40 yards, 40 yards. Doug Peterson to hold. A Dallas player touched the ball, and then the Dolphins went on and recovered it. It's on the one-yard line. It's not in the end zone. It's in the one-yard line. 
They're going to sort it out. And there's three seconds left on the clock. 92, Tolbert gets his hand up in the air and knocks the ball. No, it's not 92, it's 97. Jimmy now, Jones. Now someone touches the football here. Watch what happens. It's Leon Lett. No! Thanks to Leon Lett's gaff, the Dolphins lined up again for the field goal. They kicked it through. They walked off triumphantly with a 16-14 victory over the Dallas Cowboys, notching their record at 9-2 and and putting the Cowboys at 7-4. and The Dolphins did not win another game the rest of the year. The Cowboys did not lose another game for the rest of the year as they claimed their second world championship in as many years in January of 1994. From the Vault, brought to you by Cole's Welcome back to Cole Sports. Cole Johnson here. Cut it. Don't of the week. Don't of the week sponsored by nobody. We're still going to give it to you straight with no chaser. You already know what the deal is. The winner of this episode's Don't of the Week is... The organization that resides in Berea, Ohio, the Cleveland Browns. Why are they? The dolts of this week. <laughs> I am so glad you asked. I came this close to giving it to Jim Harbaugh, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I got to put it here because when I saw the story, I had to do a double take because I had to ask the question, what are they thinking? So last weekend, there was a press release saying that the Browns were seriously considering hiring for head coach Condoleezza Rice. Yes, Condoleezza Rice. Yes, and it, yes, the same secretary of state that served under the second George W. Bush administration. Yeah. The same Condoleezza Rice that was, I believe, a dean at Stanford. The same Condoleezza Rice that's a virtuoso pianist. The same world traveler, Condoleezza Rice. Yes. Yes. Her. Yes. Now, am I downing the Browns for selecting a woman? (laughs) No. And for those of you that are thinking along those lines, let me chop your manhood down quick because the toxic masculinity needs to go do i think a woman can actually lead the team yes do i think a woman could lead an nfl franchise definitely 
We already had an NFL team that was led by a woman owner. Now she's passed away in Georgia Frontier area of the Los Angeles, then St. Louis Rams. Now, of course, they're back in Los Angeles. So if we can have a woman owner, we can certainly have a woman head coach or a woman general manager. So it's not even to me the thought that they decided to seriously consider a woman for the job. No, that's not even my issue. In fact, (laughs) Ms. Rice knows the sport because she is a Cleveland Browns fan, a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. And she served on the college football committee from 2013 to 2016. Yes, the same CFP that selects the top four teams in each week and the final top four teams to play for the national championship. Yes, the same body of people. She was for four years, one of the 13 members. So she has some sports credentials to her. She even has some football credentials to her. My consternation is they are seriously considering a person, not woman. They're seriously considering a person who has no coaching experience whatsoever. (laughs) Come on, Browns. That would be like you're hiring me for the job. (laughs) I have no coaching experience in the NFL. I played the sport, but I haven't coached it. Why are you going to pick somebody who hasn't even been on the sideline and held a clipboard and called plays for any football team on any level whatsoever. And you wonder why people continuously laugh at your organization? It's because of thoughts and moves like this. Shout out to my VIP LA Broadus. My man, I say this from the bottom of my heart. I want the Browns to succeed because I, I felt a, I felt an affinity for them ever since Art Modell moved them out of Cleveland and moved the Browns to Baltimore where they became the Ravens. And unfortunately, you saw the team that was the Browns win a world championship five years after they moved the team out of Northeast Ohio. So I have a penchant and love for the Browns, and I want to see them succeed. But good God, if they keep making moves like this, you got to keep laughing at them. And I don't want to laugh at this team. I'm sick of laughing at the Browns. I'm sick of laughing at them for doing some stupid things such as this. Such as picking someone who is inexperienced in coaching, period. Yay that she's a Browns fan. Yay, she has CFP credentials. Yay, she knows her football. But why her? To her credit, Condoleezza Rice, when asked about being heavily considered and seriously considered for the Browns position, she released this statement. Quote, I love my Browns. And I know they will hire an experienced coach to take take us to the next level. On a more serious note, I do hope that the NFL will start to bring women into the coaching profession as position coaches and eventually coordinators and head coaches. One doesn't have to play the game to understand and motivate players. But 
experience counts, and it is time to develop a pool of experienced women coaches. By the way, I'm not really, I'm not ready to coach. By the way, I'm not ready to coach, but I would like to call a player to next season if the Browns need ideas. And at no time will I call for a prevent defense. Close quote. You see, she gets it. She understands 100%. That's why I have to look at to you. I don't look to her. She gets it. She's a fan of the sport. She knows she's talking about, but she isn't experienced enough to coach a team. Why do you make it so easy for people to lampoon you? And now this. How can we, how can we take you seriously when you want to pick somebody who is not coached an NFL down in her life? It can't be for publicity because you actually finally got your quarterback in Baker Mayfield. So it's not that you have to drum up good publicity. You finally got your, your signal caller who can possibly lead you guys into the promised land for the first time in this iteration of the Browns and bleach you to the playoffs. Not this year, but probably sometime in the future for the first time since 2002. You all are a mess. The pickings in the NFL to to be a head coach of a, a franchise is not that slim. Find a qualified person for the job. I don't give a crap what gender he or she may be. When I come back, a holiday being owned by a professional sport. Upon further review is next. Perfect. Spotify. Thank you, VIP. Coming up on the next Cold Sports, of course, we're going to go in on the subject matter. Talk about championship weekend in college football. Go over week 13 in NFL. Award the total of the week. And for upon further review, Dwight Howard and his alleged transsexual ways. Not just him, but the commentary that surrounds it. That is for next week. And in over two months, Cole Sports will put on its greatest Platform and spectacular of the year this is the annual event that we all have come to know and love as the VIP Honors. Mark it on your date, January 27th, 
2019, the week after the AFC NFC Championship Games, the week before the Super Bowl, the last Sunday in January. I look forward to hearing you. Give me what you want to hear. Give me guests as to who you want to have present these awards. Who do you want to be on the show? Who you want to have even be interviewed for the show? Give me ideas. I'd be glad to have it. Send it at info at coldsportswithaz.com and I will definitely put him or her in the show. But that's for next week and next season. For this week and this season, one of the reasons why I've always loved this holiday more than any other has been because of the fact that football is at the center of the day. But I'll tell you further about all this in upon further review. Peep this. I didn't really think about this until I was 13, 14. So I wake up, I'm hearing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York, and it's blaring on every TV that's in the house. And of course, I want to have as much food as I could stuff, even back when I was younger, in my belly. <laughs> so I didn't eat breakfast. Or if I did, I ate a very light one. But I would hope for 11 a.m. to come. And the the smell of turkey would just make me happy. So I'd smell the turkey. And I would see either the NFL and CBS or the NFL Today pop on TV. And it was like Nirvana to me. The best food normally of the year combined with my favorite sport of the year. And I would always time when I know food would be ready because the whole Lions game would be played. Kickoff would be 1130. The game would end roughly about 230, 245. We'll be ready to eat at three and we'll eat at three when the kickoff for the Cowboys game would start. And so my father would get the prime choice seat. I wouldn't be able to see the TV, but I didn't really care. All I needed to do was hear it. But my father would have the seat where he can lean back and watch the TV screen every now and then when we entertain guests and, and ate. And that's that was part of the joy of Thanksgiving to me. So I got a chance to to look at football and eat food and be with family. Well, I think that's the that's the image the NFL wanted to give us all when they decided to plan putting Thanksgiving on TV and Thanksgiving everywhere, basically on radio as well. So this wasn't a new thing. Actually, this started way back in 1869 when there were two Philadelphia cricket teams that played on Thanksgiving Day. And because of that, it sparked something. And as the gro- and, and as the growth of the sport became larger and larger and larger, these Thanksgiving Day games became a staple. Then the Lions owner at the time George Richards had this bright idea in 1934. He said, well, hmm, why don't I volunteer my Lions to put on a Thanksgiving Day game? And the team that helped them out was their rival, Chicago Bears. Now, for many of these games, the Bears were their uh, the Bears were their opponent. And in many of the games, the Packers were their opponent. 
But the Lions has been a Thanksgiving tradition and staple for now the last 84 years. And Thanksgiving Day is not Thanksgiving Day until kickoff of the 12.30 p.m. Eastern game in Detroit. Then we fast forward to 1966 when the NFL wanted to have a second Thanksgiving Day game. They figured, well, you know, the one that that we play in Detroit, it's cool. We love it. But we got to have another one. And originally it was supposed to rotate between certain teams. But the NFL was having difficulty finding teams that wanted to volunteer playing on Thanksgiving Day. Just that one day, not every Thanksgiving, but just that one particular Thanksgiving. They were having trouble finding that team. And then the former general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, Tex Ram, said, you know something? Why don't we play Thanksgiving? But we'll do it on one condition. Not only will we play this Thanksgiving, but we will play every Thanksgiving from this point forth. We won't do it unless we are included as the home team every single year for Thanksgiving. The NFL almost bowled itself over to agree, and we've had the Cowboys as a Thanksgiving staple for the last 52 years. So here we are. We have the Lions, who I've heard people complain about being on Thanksgiving, and same with the Cowboys, because I've had people say, well, why is it always these two teams? It's always these two teams because at the beginning of this, none of the other teams wanted to volunteer playing on Thanksgiving. At least not every year. Now, when these NFL franchises saw how profitable Thanksgiving Day games were, they became more receptive and open to play or host, at least, a Thanksgiving Day game of their own. And in 2006, a third Thanksgiving Day game was born. And that has been a tradition for the last 12 years. However, unlike the Lions and unlike the Cowboys... The teams rotate and it's not been the same two teams, I believe, since they've started to do this. So for a football fan, ever since 2006, it whets your appetite because you got the chance to eat food, and watch football from 1230 p.m. to roughly 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Thanksgiving day from 2006 on. And I hearken back to my memories of timing when Thanksgiving dinner would be ready and just smelling turkey seeing the Lions play eating turkey when the Cowboys were playing and it it, it warms my heart even now when I think about it because it, it reminded me of home being in that reminds me of home and Not necessarily home as in my own parents, but just home as in, ah, I can relax now. I don't have to think about school. I don't have to think about work. I don't even have to think about my family because they're here. I could just celebrate and enjoy this day. And I really do believe when the NFL thought about doing this, when they thought about putting the NFL on center stage on Thanksgiving Day. That they wanted to have a fan like me. 
feel all of that and then some because it gives me more of a sense that the NFL is family than it would be the violent collision sport that we pretty much know it to be the rest of the year you know you know this is the NFL's chance to promote peace on earth and goodwill toward men you know this is the chance for the players to show their family side and and to show their softer side and not be considered soft and it's a chance for us to connect because that's what anything is about it's about connection it's about reaching out and pulling in who we are at our core and who I am at the core is a person who loves food loves family loves football and to have all of that in one setting is love overload so Major League Baseball can have Independence Day the NHL can have New Year's Day with their Winter Classic the NBA can have Christmas Day with five games that litter litter the timeline and I love all of that. I love all of them. I love all the sports when it's supposed to happen, when it's their de- their time and their day to rule. I love it. But above all of them, it is always about the NFL and Thanksgiving. And why does the NFL own Thanksgiving? It's because they can give memories that I have that are perpetual. And it can stay in my core forever. And that's why the National Football League owns, in my personal opinion, the greatest holiday of the year. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, the subscribe button is flashing. The subscribe button is flashing. Come on, click it. And subscribe to Cole Sports with a Z dot com. If you want to reach me, though, I'm not that hard to find at Cole Sports with a Z on Instagram, at Cole Sports with a Z on Facebook, at ColdSports.com, and at Cole underscore Sports with a Z on Twitter. And if you want to reach me long form? I already said the email before. I'll say it again. Info, I-N-F-O, at Cole Sports with a Z dot com. And all I ask is for three simple things. Three. And that is, love your neighbors yourself and love yourself with your whole heart. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and enjoy the content. Thank you so much, VIP, for the Intelligent Sportsman. I am Cole Johnson, and this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.
quote of the week sponsored by nobody, but it still didn't give it to you. <laughs> I should keep that for a blooper reel. 